0: What if I were to tell you that you had a predisposition (laughs) to discriminating people against people based on how they counted dots? Now, that's not something you'd probably think you'd discriminate and make differences in your decisions and things about other people based on, right? Dot counting. It'd have to be something more serious than that. But we all have that wiring. We all have that wiring. So this is a really interesting conversation we can have today. So welcome back for this conversation on the With Joe Eby podcast, episode 99, one of the big time, part two on status games, talking about the group. We talked about the individual yesterday, now we're talking about the group and boy, isn't this fascinating. And I find the whole idea of status games compelling in and of itself when we start to think about how does that play out with group dynamics, it gets much more, much more fascinating in my opinion. So, dots. So there's a really fascinating work, a, uh, I guess a psycho- psycho- psychologist, what do I call him? Researcher, Henry Tardfell and colleagues come up with this thing called social identity theory about how we identify to a group and want that group to kind of win, I guess, a sort of status game an overall status game in order to boost our own image self-esteem. So one of the studies he's famous for conducting alongside other researchers was sorting people into groups after a, a dot counting exercise. Now, the results were immaterial, they didn't really factor that in, but what they did, they got people to count dots and then they randomly assigned them to either an overestimator or an underestimator condition. All right, so me, Joe, maybe I got put in the over, overestimators and my friend, say Jack, got put in underestimators with other underestimators. Now in a follow-up condition from what I understand of the study and what and what I recall is that there was then an opportunity to give rewards to other people in the study in the group. So Joe in my dot counting group giving rewards to other people, Jack and his being able to give rewards and I found that Based on being assigned to these groups, people gave more of a reward to people in their dot counting group. So the overestimators would give more to other overestimators and less to underestimators and vice versa. Even though these groups were not based on anything material or real, they were randomly allocated. And what this study, and there's so much research on this space, what this is basically commenting on is... One, how easily we become to identify with a group we're put in. Two, how scant and basically meaningless the, the differences or the borders and boundaries or identity of those groups is, despite what in, in especially in comparison to what we'll do for those groups of people. So it suggests that this deeper psychological need, even a spiritual need, to not just belong but to belong with the winners or even to look after the winners. Now, another version of that at times can be called family. You know, you take two people applying for a job at your company, one's family or one comes with a recommendation from, from your old school or your old college or your alma mater or whatever it is, and you've got some affinity versus someone who is completely, completely stranger, a complete stranger to you, no real common touch points, You know, one of them is much more likely to kind of get a job off you. And it's kind of how the way the world works. It's not necessarily the end of the world and something to be super harsh, critical and judgmental on. Because having affinity with people and feeling like-minded and wanting to look after your tribe is what has got us to this point through evolution. That is the thing that has set homo sapiens apart. So it's not all bad. But, yeah, wanting your tribe to win is probably this element of our wiring. Now, in a much more complicated and dynamic world where we can do more on scale, there do become problems. And I would make a very strong argument that this is behind a lot of genocide and uh, racial discrimination. It's not something I fully understand. They're very, very dynamic concepts. But it's. this is a really entry good entry level way to think about why these things might sort of happen and why we will identify with an in-group versus an out-group and this is the crux of social identity theory it's that it's the out-group is basically someone we've got to arrange ourselves in a hierarchy on which is a big jordan peterson idea right for anyone who's read 12 rules for life knows the famous lobster comparison how lobsters are why you know another creature in nature very, very interested in how they organize themselves hierarchically and their bodies will actually change if, when they lose a battle over a social position. And they're lobsters. So imagine what we as incredibly social creatures are capable of. So social identity theory is very, very interesting. Very, very interesting place to start with this. Now, how can we best unpack this concept for our day-to-day lives and make this super relevant and tangible? Anyone who knows me really well knows I'm a big sport fan. Right? I'm big um, in Australia, the National Rugby League. It's not even that nationwide. It's really mainly played on the east coast of Australia. Big St. George Illawarra Dragons fan. Now, a lot of my extended family are a big Parramatta Eels supporters. A lot of the friends I went to school with are Sydney Roosters supporters. Now, I've had times when I've been close to you know, fists with rivals or really hated um, temporarily people who are going for the other team when they beat us in a game or etc people might also know i'm a big you know soccer and uh, liverpool supporter as well and they've got intense rivalries with everton with manchester united other teams in england and soccer an interesting one because soccer you know which is like a religion in so many parts of the world and it seems so trivial but Fans kill other fans And riot and stuff Over soccer games And big rivalries Yeah, Lots of There's lots of stories And examples From South America To um, The the Celtic The Glasgow What is it The Glaswegian Derby The you know, Celtic and, and Rangers In Scotland um, In Italy There's been a bunch of examples Even in English teams All over Sorry to pick on anyone In particular But it seems so trivial That we have such brutality Over something as Seemingly, I guess, not trivial But just bonus and and non-critical As spectator sport Yet it's life or death It's like a substitute for war Now, my observation is You know, (laughs) sport is, is of many things Psychologically very interesting to unpack Or interesting psychologically to unpack One or the other and I think for a lot of people, it can replace a lack of substance in their lives. And I think this is a really good example. It's with sport, you get a lot of things, you get to feel part of a group, right? Now you want that group to win. Regardless of the fact that this is just a very random thing and ubiquitous thing to watch men, often men, if men or women, dressed up in really quirky, colourful outfits. With long socks sometimes, and all this random stuff, and shin pads, and mouth guards, and all these things, run around with a round object, try and get it over a certain line, or into a certain net, or etc., or into a hoop, or whatever, or tennis, or whatever it might be. And but, but it means so much. And it's funny watching people when they being spectators on sport. It's often the th- very often the thing in their life they're most intense and intentional about. But you get this, yeah, you get to be part of the group. There's all these deep human needs that kind of are ticked with sport. You know, you, you have affinity with people just who are wearing the same jersey as you. Where take away the jerseys, you wouldn't talk to each other passing in the street, but just the signaling mechanism that you're part of the group shifts the whole dynamic in your whole relationship. When we're at the footy, you know, you're all one team, you're all one family, you're all joking, you're all celebrating together, you'll hug a stranger next to you in a moment of intense tension. Scoring the winning try or goal. And what I tend to notice, very anecdotal, bit, bit uh, mean as well, um, for anyone this might apply to, but people will often be so much more fanatical about sport when they do lack other substance or um, intentionality or interest in their life. Often it will take on an inflamed importance when sport is something that people care about most more than perhaps what they do for work. Uh, you know maybe not so much relationships seems to be a little bit independent but when i guess there's not an overall picture of purpose and passion sport is one of those things that can be life or death and it's the need for our group to win so what does the group provide when we tie that with social identity theory the group provides someone who can win a status game without us having to test ourselves without us having to put our self-esteem on the line. Now, how easy is it being a spectator in sport? You don't have to go on the pitch. You don't have to perform. You don't have to be scrutinized, but you get to scrutinize when they, don't, when they don't do well. So you don't have any of the downside to bring this back to kind of investing framework, right? You don't have any of the downside. You don't have any risks, basically. But when they win, you get to gloat, my team won, my team came first. I wear my jersey into the office the next week you get all the upside. Sports a great example. Now that's a good entry. Now let's push it a bit further and get a bit more get a bit more real. Politics. How much of politics is spectator sport? And sometimes I get very I'm, you know, politics should be treated as politics. I'm not really into politics myself. Uh, it's for, for many reasons. Uh, it's not that I don't care just often seems like a crazy, crazy world Where it's very ineffective Anywho But sometimes I see people really passionate about politics But I look at them and it's like It's a spectator sport They've picked a team They get to complain when the team's not performing They get to celebrate when their team wins And they're unwavering in their loyalty to the team You want to go a step further Another example even deeper ingrained is probably religion. And, and then we get into any form of group. You know, you, any form of group we fall into, there is this need to validate that our group is the best to validate our way of life and overcome any need to challenge our self-esteem whilst being part of a group. Now, who are the people who are vulnerable to being in cults? Normally people who are lost, drifting, impressionable. And you're more impressionable when you lack self-esteem. So that's the dynamic of groups. Sometimes it can be useful. We used it for the book we're doing at the moment, 18 and Lost. Some of the authors said, I would never have done this on my own. It'd be too intense writing a book on my own. It's all about me. Uh, you know, if there's something wrong with the book, it's it's me that it comes back to But because we had eight authors, it's much less intimidating, intimidating and it's a lower barrier to entry. But after doing this book, any of those authors might be much more confident doing any other solo work or project. And it's a nice platform like that. So this whole dynamic's not unuseful. But we, uh, how do I put it? Individual status games can be good, can be bad when, uh, when played for a, a, a useful intention. When played, pardon me, when played for a, a, a harmful intention, they, they can create very bad dynamics but the thing with groups why we're being conscious of groups and, and status games in relation to groups is that these these uh, conflicts are very scalable they're very big you know when races races are competing against race when even teams are competing versus teams and it gets violent even in sporting contexts, and people lose lives over football games or well, not over football games but that's the that's the central theme around which the rivalry hinges. It's obviously all psychological. Football is blameless. So this dynamic is very, very, very interesting. And group group behavior and dynamics fascinate me because they're so complex. Complex is in there's so many moving parts that they're not really fully knowable, but they're just so powerful. Culture, group behavior, in-group, out-group, all these ideas very very interesting they've had massive ramifications during history so really really interesting so maybe a reflection for today what groups are you part of which do you identify with where do you need a group to win to supplement your lack of wins all right and how susceptible are you to becoming part of the group and then identifying strongly with that group and not being able to question your identification on membership in that group. For a lot of people I know, including myself, it's things like being a, yeah, from, from gender and social status to where you are educated to, yeah, racial backgrounds and ethnic backgrounds, and there's just so many different things that can form a bias. So where do you unpack that? So, yeah, recap of this, you know, social identity theory, really interesting. The sporting example, and then we can get deeper and go into p- politics, spectator sport, religion, and where and the whole asymmetry is like there's no risk really when you're part of the group. You don't have to test your own self-esteem. It's a very convenient strategy for gaming the status game because you get you get to have all the upside, but you get to be a really bad team member and just blame your blame your team and be critical of your team in the meantime. So super interesting dynamic, um, but yeah. 99 episodes next one's 100 try to plan it and make it kind of big and special so i hope you'll join for that and a good time to guys reflect on our journey so far but, but yeah thank you again for joining us on the with joe b podcast we'll see you again soon remember as always that the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others